Live from the slightly twisted deck bar, it's the Poojee Podcast with Justin Lameen. The Poojee Podcast is proudly sponsored by Cimarron Golf Club, located in Jacksonville, Florida, off County Road 210, just west of St. John's Parkway. What's up, everyone? It is Monday, June 22nd, and it is lunchtime, so time for a sports update. We do have a fantastic interview coming up for you later on in the show, so be sure to stick around for that, as well as Pooji Parlay following the interview. Uh, but something that I've always enjoyed about sports is obviously the history of sports, and being that this podcast often centers around things in sports, I thought it'd be pretty cool to take a look back at some events in sports history on specific dates. So uh, this date in sports history, back in 1982, Pete Rose uh, moves into second place in the all-time hits list with 3,772 hits. Also in the world of hockey in 2016 on this date, uh, the NHL owners unanimously approved the expansion team in Las Vegas, which we all now know as the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And then something that hits close to home for me, being a golf fan back in 2009, uh, up at Bethpage Black, Lucas Glover wins the uh, U.S. Open uh, at Bethpage Black. And uh, that was his only major victory, but he did beat out Phil Mickelson in that, which uh, was a was a pretty big victory, obviously, for Lucas Glover. Anytime you can win a uh, tournament like that. So I do want to expand on that a little bit more, which leads us into our let's talk about it section. Uh, so I do want to get into some golf. So let's talk about it. Lucas Glover wins his only major on the PGA Tour, which I've always found that a beauty in golf, right? You have these guys kind of pop up out of nowhere. They win maybe one major and a few tournaments in their career, but they've solidified themselves, right, in the, uh, in the record books. You know, it's not every day that someone average gets to win a major, and I don't think golf is really the type of sport where you can be average to go out there and win a major. Obviously, you have to have some sort of consistency and some sort of skill, but for Lucas Glover, not winning another major, but to have his U.S. Open championship, that's got to be special for him. Uh, golf is something that anyone can try and pick up and play, uh, but I do think it does take some sort of skill. Oh, we do have Jacob. We do have a uh, we do have a walk by question here. We have Jacob here at the ballpark taking his lunchtime lap. But Jacob, we are talking golf here, um, so I do want to get your opinion on this. Not sure, actually, I know you're not a big golfer. I know you've spent some time at Top Golf. Um, in your opinion, I guess is golf more of a hobby or is golf more of a sport to you? Um, I definitely think it can be both. I think if you're just playing it for, for fun or for leisure on the weekends, it's, it's, it is a hobby to you. But if, if the argument is if it's a sport or not, I definitely think it is. You know, if you're competing at a high level and it's a, it's a skillful activity that you're physically, you know, playing and you got to practice and work at it to, to compete, if that's what you're doing, then it's definitely a sport. You know, to some people that are just hanging out, it's, it's a hobby. But I don't think you can argue that it's not a sport. Yeah, and I think some of those unorthodox sports like golf, even for you, bowling, darts, I think some of those sports that are considered sports maybe don't get the, the type of uh, rap that they should when it comes to how competitive they are and how much skill it takes. So I do appreciate that feedback from you. Uh, nice walk-by question here with Jacob, so we'll see him later on in the office. But uh, Lucas Glover, like I mentioned, with the Bethpage Black victory, pretty impressive. And uh, we did have some golf this past weekend, which was nice because Father's Day weekend 
is pretty much built around the U.S. Open. And while the U.S. Open wasn't going on this past weekend, which we all missed, uh, we did get a little bit of golf. So it was still enjoyable. The RBC Heritage at Harbortown, which we'll get into in the Puji Parlay segment of the show, of course, uh, kind of going over some of the picks that we had and, and what the results were. Um, but I do think it was great to have some Father's Day golf, uh, as that is a staple of the holiday. So plus golf is a four day event, right? So it's always nice to have something to watch uh, throughout the, the end of the week into the weekend. So that is all for let's talk about it. But I do want to take you into this interview presented by string sports brewery up in North Jacksonville on main street. If you ever get the chance to go up there to strings, definitely do so great food, great atmosphere and great family quality entertainment there. So go check it out. If you get the chance just North of downtown, but for right now, enjoy the interview and be sure to stick around for Puji parlay following the interview. Thanks. Want to welcome on our next guest to the Puji podcast. Um, excited to have him here. He is, uh, he works within corporate partnerships for IMSA. Um, so uh, without further ado, welcome uh, Max Roger. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Justin. Uh, happy to be here. For sure. So uh, I know, I know IMSA um, is involved with auto sports, motorsports. kind of take me through exactly what it is. Uh, for those that might not necessarily know what it is compared to maybe NASCAR, Formula One, things like that. Yeah, so before kind of going into this spiel, I just have to make my PR people happy and say all opinions on this podcast are my own. They don't reflect uh, IMSA or NASCAR as a corporate entity. Um, but basically, IMSA is the International Motorsport Association. Um, we do sports car racing, and we're technically owned by NASCAR, but operate a little bit separate. So we do endurance races, we do sprint races, um, some of the more popular ones, the Rolex 24, 12 hours of Sebring, and the six hours of Watkins Glen. Um, you know, you see more, multiple manufacturers out there, Porsche, Lamborghini, Cadillac, compared to with NASCAR, you only have those three. So definitely a different kind of racing, um, but, you know, very similar in terms of what you'd see on TV with NASCAR. Yeah, I do think um, it is kind of an interesting uh, viewing um, experience. You definitely see some of those higher uh, luxury brand type cars in those uh, types of races. Um, what are some of the cool experiences that you've had? I know you mentioned some of those races, uh, but some of the cool experiences, uh, maybe at a race, maybe interactions that you've had with drivers in your time being there. Yeah, so with my job, I travel to all 12 of our races. So I've been with IMSA for a year now, so we have done – Last year's all 12 races, along with the beginning race this year, the Rolex 24. Um, it's been just incredible traveling the country, seeing some of these tracks that, you know, really you can only see on TV or racing video games. And um, just getting to know the drivers. They're not as well known as some of the NASCAR superstars. So, you know, just hanging out with them, making sure they have everything they need. And um, just working with all the various partners and stakeholders. You know, it's we get to touch a lot of spaces in our industry. And um, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of great people and, you know, attend a lot of races that I think I would have paid for to go to anyways, but I'm getting paid to go to them. So pretty cool stuff. That's always, uh, always got to be exciting being able to go to those and, and actually get paid to do it as a job. I'm sure that was definitely a dream of yours growing up. I know you uh, kind of grew up a, a motorsports uh, fan, so that's, that's really exciting. And I guess as far as the races go, are a lot of them on these NASCAR tracks or are they on road courses? Uh, what what's technically the setup of these races for these types of cars? Yeah, so we're all road courses. Um, we do two on NASCAR tracks, so one on Daytona's road course, one on Watkins Glen, and then we have two on street courses. So we actually shut down the streets of Long Beach for a race, and then we race on Detroit Bell Isle for a race. So unfortunately, both of those have been canceled for this year due to the COVID. 
Um, but those are some really cool events. You get everybody kind of from downtown just wandering up and, you know, 40 plus sports cars running around. Definitely pretty cool. But other than that, they're just these, you know, older historic road courses. Um, definitely some more famous ones. And, um, you know, our, some of our guys go over and race in France at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So, you know, some pretty cool historic places that, um, you know, have been kind of written about in history books. Now, what is it about these 24-hour, 12-hour races that, that kind of gets people interested? I know that's a, a very long time to be racing. Um, where did those, I guess if you have uh, a history on those, where did those maybe originate or why did these uh, long endurance races become so popular within motorsports? Yeah, you know, honestly, our PR guys will kill me for saying this. I don't know the history behind endurance racing officially, but I think the ultimate draw to it is just, you know, it's a pure test of will um, along with kind of the car's, you know, leeway of what it's going to give you. You're running these cars full throttle for 24 hours straight. Um, we do have multiple drivers. So a lot of like for the Rolex 24, you'll have four drivers per car. And, you know, that's just another added element. They come in to get tires and fuel and they're also switching out drivers. So, I mean, you'll have guys that run eight total hours split up over that 24 hours. But I think it's just an ultimate testament to what these cars can do now. Um, you know, back in the day, you would maybe have 10 cars finish. I believe at the Rolex 24 this year, we had all but two finish. So it's just, you know, the will to get better, you know, it really puts a lot of strain on these manufacturers to put better and better cars out there. And, you know, anything can go wrong at any time, but when they're racing through the night at 4 a.m. under the lights and, you know, all you see is brake rotors glowing, it's pretty awesome. That's That's got to be a great experience. And I know you mentioned uh, Daytona and now the 24 hour of Le Mans. So uh, you being a racing guy, I just kind of want to go through some of the most historic uh, races that we've had in the past. Um, just kind of your perspective on them, see it, see your thoughts. Um, so I guess we'll start with uh, Tortoise and the Hare. What are your thoughts on that race? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, honestly, that's kind of the first endurance race, I would think. You know, it, if you look back at it, Tortoise was, you know, he knew how to take it. He knew you had to take it slow, avoid any wrecks. The Hare just went full throttle, and I think that's kind of a testament to life itself. You know, you can't go through not expecting any consequences, and ultimately, you know, when the tortoise pulls it out of the end, it's, it's a good heartwarming story for those who kind of follow the path, but at the same time, you know, understand their lifestyle and surroundings around them. And our next race, um, let's go through the great snail race in bikini bottom. Kind of take me through that a little bit, what you saw there from those three competitors, Gary, Snelly and Rocky. Oh, well, a classic. I mean, obviously Snelly came in the overall favorite just with the pedigree. But when you look down to it, you know, Rocky at the same time of being a rock, you know, it, you can't underestimate anybody at that point. Um, you know, so I think it's just a testament to Rocky's training, his perseverance to get through. And, you know, at the end of the day, Gary the Snail, my personal pick for the race, um, you know, he ended up just not wanting to participate because he was pushed too hard. And that's a lesson I think we can teach some of these coaches and dads of young kids is don't push your kids too hard. You'll burn them out. So you know, at the end of the day, um, if I recall, Snelly and Gary found love. So that was a good, you know, happy ending for everybody. And of course, Rocky, you know, one of the greatest champions of our lifetime. Yeah, he was definitely the under snail uh, going into that. So it was great to kind of have Rocky come out on top. And I think if I remember correctly, uh, Squidward ended up getting the trophy, Squidward Tortellini. So uh, that was pretty, pretty exciting ending there. And I guess our last race, um, the human race, take me through that. Wow, the human race. Um, you know, I take back what I said earlier as far as the oldest endurance race. I think the human race just, I mean, we're all still going, right? Um, lots of 
ups and downs, but you know, it's at the end of the day, we're all still around. There's multiple entries, just like in our series, you have multiple entries of different types of, you know, manufacturers, Germany, Japan, America. So, you know, at the end of the day, if, if America comes out on top, which I'm unbiased and we'll say that they will, um, you know, I think we'll keep heading that direction. And, you know, together though, as the human race, we will fight this coronavirus that's taking away our sports. And I know you mentioned on Twitter, the coronavirus apparently only uh, attacks at night, um, you know, mentioning the curfew. What are your thoughts behind that? Um, you know, is it something that we need to be wary of 24 hours like these endurance races? Is it just something that kind of comes at night? Well, I'm not a government official or, you know, any sort of scientist, but it is weird to me that there were under these curfews um, solely for the fact, you know, it, it just the coronavirus attack at night. I know they were kind of implemented before we knew more. Um, so, you know, I just kind of want answers. I know Orlando has been under uh, curfew for the last month or so. Volusia County, where I live, has been under curfew for the last two weeks. So, you know, I just need to understand. I noticed at grocery stores now, you're only allowed to go down aisles a certain way. Um, you know, does the coronavirus attack if I go down an aisle the wrong way? So, you know, I just, we're getting a lot more questions and answers at this point, and I need answers. Yeah, I think we all do, and we all need sports for sure. And um, I think, um, you know, I remember kind of watching you play some football as well, and we're obviously all missing football, but you were one of the most uh, fierce competitors on the football field, a rocket arm in the pocket as a quarterback. Um, I want to get a clip in here real quick of a play that you had um, back, I think, maybe two or three years ago. Um, And I just kind of want you to take me through that after we're – If we're able to get this edited in here, let me take a look and see if we can do that. All right. Yeah, I think we'll be able to do that. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go through this and and see if we can kind of analyze this play. Yeah, so I, I definitely consider this a highlight um, of my UCF and sports career. So uh, if we want to just break it down play by play. So I believe it was your mom who brought donuts to the tailgate. Um, always a lovely gesture by your mom. Love when she brings us some snacks and definitely towards the end. So I think we had a few extra sodas in us. And, you know, Scott is always kind of my main wide receiver when it comes to these plays. The kid's freakishly athletic, even though he doesn't look it. Um, so yeah, you know, I just kind of leaned back and we had a half donut for, you know, consistency sake. We were hoping for the hook motion and, you know, when you get that nice Frisbee toss and a good wide receiver, it's, you know, boom goes the dynamite, hooked it right in his mouth and, you know, Scotty got a donut. So, you know, definitely, uh, had to ice the arm the next day. We had a couple practice throws before that, but all in all, uh, definitely glad somebody caught that on video for sure. And and anytime Scotty catches a donut, it's a good day for all of us. But anytime there's a pass that beautiful, um, you know, it's even better. So uh, it was definitely a nice play. And and I I think that takes us to the end of it. But um, I will say, uh, I guess my last question for you is, um, what are you if you're not first? Oh, you're definitely last. And that's going to do it for us. Thanks, Max. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. So again, thank you to Strings Sports Brewery up in North Jacksonville, just north of downtown, for their support and for sponsoring the interviews for the podcast. Felt it was kind of appropriate bringing you Max's interview considering his work within motorsports. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit about 
uh, what uh, those endurance races entail, right? So pretty exciting stuff. And we do have a race today, uh, so I felt it was pretty fitting uh, at Talladega, the Geico 500 coming up uh, here at 3 o'clock, so just in a little bit. Um, but first, I do want to talk a little bit about golf with uh, Pooji Parlay, presented by Shores Pub Mandarin. Anyone that follows the Instagram page gets these picks uh, for uh, the sports betting world. Um, so our picks did pretty well. I mean, we had Webb Simpson to win, so uh, had a nice payout there, of course. And I also had to put a little money on him to finish top 10. So I got a really nice payout there as well, as well as JT Poston uh, finished uh, with a nice top 20 for us as well, and Ian Poulter. So just some nice golf finishes there at the RBC. Daniel Berger as well, winner from last week at Colonial. He finished uh, tied for third, actually, um, under uh, 20 under, sorry, excuse me, um, with Webb Simpson winning with a score of 22 under. Coming in second was Abraham Answer at 21 under. And then with NASCAR, like I mentioned, we do have Talladega today. I did bring you my NASCAR picks yesterday. Yesterday's race got postponed until today, uh, but I do still obviously stick with the same guys I like, Kozlowski and Logano. Uh, some long shots I like to maybe get a better value. Uh, Eric Almarola I like, Alex Bowman I like. Uh, if you're looking for maybe a top 10, you're looking at maybe a Ryan Newman or a Jimmy Johnson, some of those more veteran racers that seem to get uh, the benefit of the doubt on these long tracks have a little bit more experience. So also last night was the ESPYs. Uh, so the ESPYs seem to obviously focus a little bit more on the community service, humanitarian side of things, which was kind of cool to see them do with uh, Kevin Love taking home the Arthur Ashe uh, Award. So that was cool to see from the ESPYs. And we do have another week of sports coming up. And again, I'm trying to nail down these soccer picks. That way, I'm more comfortable bringing them to you with Pooji Parlay picks presented by Shores Pub Mandarin. So, again, thank you to Shores Pub for their uh, support with the podcast as well and as always. But more sports coming up this week. We're looking forward to some more golf uh, towards the end of the week and then obviously finishing up the NASCAR uh, race today and uh, NASCAR next week as well. So for now, enjoy the rest of your Monday and hope everyone has a great week. If you're not with us on Instagram and you don't get to see some of that more exclusive content and you do only watch the interviews on YouTube or maybe just listen on Spotify or iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts, I will see you Thursday or you'll hear me on Friday. Thanks again. Be sure to follow our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast streaming services, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel to check out unique video elements for each interview.